text this evening will be read from John chapter 21, verses 1 through 6. That's John 21, verses 1 through 6. After these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples at the sea of Tiberis, and on this wise showed he himself. There were together Simon Peter and Thomas called Didymus and Nathanael of Cana in Galilee and the sons of Zebedee and the two others in, and two other of his disciples. Simon Peter said unto him, I go fishing. They said unto him, We also go with thee. They went forth and entered into a ship immediately, and that night they caught nothing. But when the morning was now come, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples knew not that it was Jesus. Then Jesus said unto them, Children, have you any meat? They answered him, No. And they said unto them, Cast thy net on the right side of the ship, and ye shall find that they cast therefore, and now they were not able to draw it for the multitude of fishes. You know, uh, discouragement can be something that Satan loves to use. You know, I've realized that as years go by and you get your save longer and longer, the things of the world really don't look very appetizing anymore. You probably aren't going to find yourself backsliding on many of those type of things that we maybe as a young person you would fall into the traps. But there is one thing about discouragement, and that can happen at any age, and it can lead us down the same path. Peter here, in his discouragement, had forgot God's calling upon his life. It says here he had gone fishing. In chapter 21 of John, it is an epilogue. An epilogue from its Greek root means words attached to the end. Serves as a comment on or a conclusion to what has happened. Chapter 20 ends with Jesus appearing to the disciples. At this point, they were fearful. They were literally hiding behind closed locked doors because they have feared the Jewish leaders. But Jesus spoke these encouraging words unto them. Peace be unto you. Peter had already by this time walked with Christ anywhere from three to four years. There is a very good chance by this point, Peter might think that he would never see Christ again. We also read in Matthew 28, where Jesus gives them the Great Commission. Go ye therefore and teach all nations. We also read in Mark 16, Go ye into all the world and preach the good news 
to everyone. This reminds me of another account finding Luke chapter 5. Jesus was at this point preaching to the multitude on the shore of Galilee. We know at that point people were pressing him and crowding him. So Jesus there saw an empty boat, which was actually Peter's boat, and he asked if he could use it. And we know that Jesus taught the crowd from that boat. But when Jesus was there done teaching, he said to Simon, to go further out and let your nets down, and you will catch fish. Simon let Jesus know at this point, we had already fished all night, and we have caught nothing. Luke also lets us know that Simon obeyed Christ, and he's let his nets down, and it said that their nets were full, and they began to tear. And even at that point, they even shouted for help for boats around them. They were all filled and to the verge of sinking. I am thankful at this point that Peter obeyed Christ. You know, when you the, the Bible says a ship in King James, no doubt I don't think they were on a ship. It was probably more of a, a small boat. It would have taken a lot of faith to obey that. When you think about it, if you were in a small boat and you were using a net and somebody simply said, well, just throw your net on the other side, you would have probably thought to yourself, if the fish isn't on this side, it's probably not going to be on this side. For one, your boat kind of drifts around. So it took a lot of faith there for Peter to believe that by simply casting the nets on the other side, that his nets were going to be that full. Luke 5, 10 And Jesus said unto Simon, Fear not, for henceforth thou shalt catch men. And when they had brought their ships to land, they forsook all, and they followed him. This is in the beginning state that Peter started to follow Christ. We also read in chapter Matthew chapter 4, verse 19, And he said unto them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. No longer at this point, Peter was going to be a fisher of fish, but at this point he was going to be fishers of men. But you know, before moving, before moving forward, discouragement had made many men and many women move away from the call of God. We want to make sure that we don't allow discouragement to take us away where God wants us to be. I think maybe Peter's discouragement could have came from denying Christ three times. He probably felt by this point that he had really messed up. Sometimes we feel like we mess up, we feel discouraged, we feel frustrated, and in that point, we want to just give up. We want to make sure we don't give up and we don't go back to our old ways, but we stay in the way that God wants us to walk. The word here that he says, I go fishing. You know, there is absolutely nothing wrong with going fishing. The problem here was he was looking back. You know, Jesus has warned us in Luke 9, 26, says that no man having put his hand to the plow and looking back 
is fit for the kingdom of God. You know, another problem here, looking back, also affects others. Not only did it affect Peter, but he took a group of men with him. Often we think that when we get frustrated or maybe we decide to step away from the call of God, we may think it doesn't affect anybody else around us. It only affects us. But generally, it does affect those around us. It says here that they had fished all night, but they had caught absolutely nothing. You know, that is just what happens when we are not where God wants us to be. We just come up empty-handed. They had fished all night and caught nothing. You know, there's a saying that you often hear, you're either moving forward or you're moving backwards. Will Rogers was credited with a saying, even if you're on the right track, you'll get run over if you just sit there. You know, in the gospel, there is no such thing as maintaining. You know, you can try to maintain your car, but even the best maintenance on your car, it's still getting older. You might prolong something, and and by well-maintaining your car, it will last longer. But there is no such thing as maintaining in the gospel. We are either moving forward or we're moving backwards. You know, Jesus was watching them from the shore. And he called out to them and he asked them, have you caught any fish? He knew they hadn't caught any fish. But Peter replied, we have caught nothing. And at this point, once again, Jesus said, cast your nets on the other side of the boat. And again, we see that Peter obeyed Jesus. And it says that they caught so many fish, they couldn't haul all the nets in. You know, this reminds me of an account that we read or the story of Jonah. The Lord had given Jonah a message. His message was to go to Nineveh, announce judgment against them because of the wicked ways they were living there in Nineveh. But instead of obeying God, he literally went the opposite way. Says that he bought a ticket, he got on a ship, and he headed towards Tarshish. Why? He was trying to get away from the call of God. But God allowed a powerful storm to threaten the ship to the point that even the crew and the captain there were so fearful that they thought that the ship was literally going to break apart. We read in Jonah 1.6 that Jonah was fast asleep. The captain even asked Jonah, how can you sleep at a time like this? You know, sometimes when we are spiritually, we can be spiritually asleep. We don't like to accept reality. We want to make sure that we don't find ourselves like Jonah. And as the storms of life or our spiritual walk, that we find ourselves sound asleep. Jonah prayed unto the Lord from the fish of a belly. He obeyed God's commandment. He did end up going to Nineveh, and he did end up delivering a message 
that God will destroy their city. But the people of Nineveh, we know that they turned away from their evil ways and God spared them. By the end of chapter 21, it says that Peter leaves a boat and his nets behind and he starts serving Christ once again. You know, right before that time, God also had commanded them to tarry in Jerusalem till you be in power from on high. He knew the importance before they would go out that they needed to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Just a few days later after this experience, we know that the day of Pentecost, they they received that Holy Spirit. And Peter at that point stood up and preached one of the most powerful messages. And it said over 3,000 souls were saved that day. You know, what are some of the signs of discouragement. You know, I, I think when you think of some of the people throughout the Bible, anybody who had to lead the children of Israel faced discouragement. We even read here that Joshua 1 9, it says, and God was basically trying to encourage him. It says, I have not commanded thee. I have not commanded thee, be strong and of good courage. Be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed. For the Lord thy God is with thee whatsoever thou goest. God was letting Joseph there, Joshua there, not to be discouraged. I will be with you. I will stand with you and the Lord will be with you if you keep your trust in me. You know, what are a few examples that Christians may face of discouragement? One here I thought about, maybe at times we we don't feel excited to go to church. Maybe we don't want to come to the house of the Lord. This reminds me of a a time I had come to Sunday school my, my whole life from a child. My parents had brought me to church. And I remember in my, either my late teens or early 20s, the, the devil had tricked me to believe that nobody would care if I was at Sunday school or not. He even told me that if you stop coming to Sunday school, nobody's ever going to call you and see where you are. So I kind of tested that theory, which is really a, a bad thing to do. So I decided not to come to Sunday school for a while. You know what? Satan, he was right. Not a single person called me to see where I was at. Nobody called to see why I had not been coming to Sunday school. But, you know, God said to me, and he spoke to me at that point, I want you in Sunday school. And I realized at that point, it is more important to be where God wants you to be. You know, a few years later after that, I had an opportunity to share that story uh, at a youth retreat And afterwards, one of the young ministers had come up to me and he apologized to me and said, you know what? The Lord had laid it upon my heart to come talk to you, but I never did it. But I'm thankful that we can trust in God. And when we put our trust in him and we're at where we need to be, God will help us. You know, discouragement comes from those close to us can be the most challenging When discouragement comes from friends, 
when discouragement comes from family or maybe when discouragement comes from church members. You know, you're not always going to be liked by everyone. You know, about five months ago, I, Ezra, my, my son, he plays basketball and his coach had something came up. So before I knew it, I, I had an opportunity to be a, a basketball coach. I had never planned on being a basketball coach. I'm not even qualified to be a basketball coach. But I, I learned very quickly. I had to learn what different offenses and defenses, and I had to learn different zones and how to break a full court press or many, many things that come with basketball. But one thing I learned very quickly that not all the parents are going to like me. I realize that maybe half of them will and half of them won't. You know, by eighth grade basketball, you actually, uh, you play to win. So you try to play the best kids that are going to give you the best opportunity to win the game. I realized the parents that like me were the ones that their kids were in the whole game. I realized very quickly the, the kids who didn't play as much, those parents did not like me very much. But, you know, that's how it can be. Not everybody's always going to like you. And discouragement can come from those that are very close to us. It can be our friends. It can be our family. It can even be those our church members. But if we are in the will of God and we are where God wants us to be, he can give us the strength not to be discouraged. You know, that's the question that we always have to ask ourselves. Are we in the will of God? I often realize that as I get older and older and things come up, discouragement comes up, frustration comes up. And I always have to ask myself or search and pray, am I in the will of God? You know, sometimes we can be right where God wants us to be and it can feel like a storm. But if we're in the will of God and we are where God wants us to be, there is where victory comes. Romans 12, 2, it says, Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove that is good and acceptable in the perfect will of God. You know, there are either two categories that we fall into. We're either conformers or we're transformers. You know, we do not want to be led by the things of the world. We do not want the things of the world to have power over us. So often people allow, maybe you could use the example of social media. You could use Facebook or Netflix or Snapchat or YouTube, whatever it may be. You know, people, their, their days are affected by social media. They are being led by those things. You know, often people will put a post out there and maybe people don't actually like their post, or maybe they even have a, a negative thing to write back. That can affect people's attitude. Sometimes people put their self out there, maybe on Facebook, and they want to be accepted, but the person doesn't friend them. And then maybe you thought you were part of, you were a friend, and you got unfriend. You know, that can be discouraging. But you know, that's being led by the things of the world. 
We do not want to be led by the things of the world. We want to be led by the things of God. We want to be led by the Holy Spirit. We want to be led by that still small voice that Elijah speaks of. The things of God will set us free, but the things of the world will always bound us. You know, things of the world are constantly changing. You know, we want to keep our mind on him and we want to keep our mind on the word because on Jesus and on the word, it is never changing. John 14, one reads, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. You know, yes, I believe that we can be led by his voice. You know, I, I often lately, uh, like a month ago, and we were studying uh, Jeremiah there, it spoke of the old covenant and the new covenant. And it talks about how God is going to write his word upon your heart. You know, we can be led by the Holy Spirit. It speaks also about that in Hebrews there. You know, we want to be led by that still, small voice. You know, I often wonder what that meant at the time. And I looked this up and I realized that during that period of time, even in, in Jerusalem there probably, only around 2% of the people could even read and write. They had to be led by the Holy Spirit. They, that word was going to be written upon their hearts. You know what? When we find ourselves praying and reading, the Lord can lead us. He can reveal our will for him. You know, we want to make sure that we ask what our will is, that what God wants us to do. And we can read that, and I believe that we can do that. It says in Psalms 143.10, teach us that we can certainly pray for God's will in our lives. It says there, in, it says in Psalms 143.10, teach me to do thy will, for thou art my God, thy spirit is good, lead me in the land of uprighteousness. We can know the will of God upon our life. You know, in, in closing tonight, I want to read a few last verses here. The last part of John 21, 15. It says, so when they had dined, Jesus said unto Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou more than these? He said unto him, yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He said unto him, feed my lambs. You know, I, I remember reading a book one time. And it said, if you only remember one, if you want somebody to remember one thing you say, tell them, if you only remember one thing, remember this thing. I felt like Jesus was telling Peter here, if you only remember one thing, remember to feed my sheep. You know, it says here the, the word these, and we, we, we see that lovest thou me more than these. The word these refers to maybe perhaps that he caught 153 fish. Do you love me more than these fish? Do you love me more than the things of the world? Do you love me more than your hobbies? Maybe it refers to Peter's occupation. Do you love me more than your job? I believe Jesus is asking these same things for us. Or maybe he's speaking of the disciples. Do you love me more than your friends? Do you love me more than your family? You know, we want to make sure that we love God with all our heart, with all our soul, and with all our might.
One last verse here. It says in Galatians 6, 9, And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. You know, we want to make sure tonight that we don't give up. We want to make sure that we let the Holy Spirit lead us. We want to make sure that his spirit is written upon our heart. We want to make sure that we're being led. You know, just as important, as I said earlier, that he knew before the disciples should go out, that they should be endued with power on high. You know, it is just as important today. You know, the the world isn't getting better. You know, we need the power of God upon our lives. You know, we need first to be saved. We need to be sanctified. But we need that power of God. We need that boldness. Just as Peter there had struggled, maybe in the early, we see later that when Peter was endued with power on high, he had the boldness. We too can have the boldness to stand against the things of this world. God bless you. And maybe go to prayer and we can sing songs 238.